Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshop.net. Episode 72 Make Bus Transport Free. Most people in Ireland send their children to their local school. Whether that, if they live in rural Ireland, it might be the school, the only school in their village. Or if they live in a town, it might be the school within walking distance. But a large number of families don't do that. They send their child to a different school, a school of their choice, as it may be known. Whereas sometimes these families would argue they don't have the choice other than to send them to a particular type of school. Some people like to send their child to a school out the country, even if they live in the town, uh, in a concept that's regularly known as white flight. Some people um, decide that they have a very large passion for the Irish language, even if they don't speak it themselves, and send their child to a Gwell school. And some families are like mine, where they have no uh, other option, only one option perhaps, or maybe no option, other than to send their child to a school that isn't patronised by a religious body. And in my case, uh, that's exactly what I have to do. Now, I work in the same school as as the school that my son goes to, so I don't have to use the bus. But many families in my community do have to use the bus. In fact, there are 10 buses serving my school from various parts of the county. And I haven't even touched on special education, where hundreds of families get up at excruciating early early hours of the morning to plonk their children on buses and taxis for sometimes for over two hours to get to a school that will cater to their needs. The Department of Education is currently having a major review of the bus transport scheme or the school bus transport scheme because it is becoming extremely expensive. And... It should be obvious to you by now why that is when you hear of these examples. So in this episode, I'm not only going to share with you my submission for this particular school bus scheme, but also how I would make bus transport absolutely free. Hello, hello, you are very welcome to episode 72 of If I Were the Minister for Education. This is Simon Lewis from Onshaw.net. Now, as I said in the introduction, my son is somebody who does not go to his local primary school. And um, as I said in the introduction as well, that is because all of the local schools uh, before he gets to his actual school are run by a denominational body, either the Catholic Church or the Church of Ireland. And obviously, uh, given that I'm, we're raising him with no uh, particular um, faith, um, it, it is very difficult for someone, for a family like ours to be able to put our child into a situation where he is excluded every single day of the week. Not that he's treated, not that he'll be treated badly, and I always say that, but there are times of the day where he is not part of the school community, and we don't think that is right. And from a moral stance and an ethical stance, we don't feel that we would, uh, number one, put him in a situation where he is excluded, and number two, I suppose as teachers, we also know what hassle we'd be bringing on the school um, for the fact that um, he would be opted out, which is a mythical uh, sort of situation, I suppose. 
suppose, um, and, and isn't really in reality opting out in its what its intentions would be. Now, if I didn't work in the school that um, Emrys goes to, he would possibly take a bus to go into school and drive past a number of his local schools, and he would be one of thousands of children that do not go to his local school. In my town alone, there are three schools that um, would, would have children uh, getting a bus uh, that because they aren't going to the most local primary school to their house um, for reasons that would be genuine. Maybe actually four, five, five in the town. Sorry, I've, I left out the two special schools there. There are five schools in Carlow Town where um, that's educated together, the Guell School, the um, Church of Ireland School, and then the two special schools. And basically, um, you know, there's a there's good reason why uh, children would not go to their nearest school for either choice or for the lack of choice. Um, and for me, uh, there's a second pillar to this, and that's what I want to talk to you about today, because having systems like this is extremely expensive. And the Department of Education know this, because for the last few years, they have been complaining about the spiraling cost of bus transport and they're thinking of anything they can do to make it more affordable. In fact, a few years ago, they decided to not make it free and now families have to pay for the privilege of going to their uh, to a school uh, of, of their, well, they say of their choice and m many would argue, well, they have no other choice, but we have to pay for that um, privilege uh, for, 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 that, for, for that in order to recoup some of the costs for bus errand, for the government who have to pay bus errand. But still the costs are spiraling and inspiring and inspiring and the Department of Education is having to review the school transport scheme again and what better thing to do than a consultation and that is what they have asked the general public to do. Now as you know if you're a regular listener to this podcast a consultation is an entirely meaningless thing uh, that makes you think that your opinion actually matters and the Department of Education already have decided what's going to happen but they have to make sure that they ask you what you think before they ignore it. Um, and but what we do, what I do anyway, is when there is a consultation that interests me, I do a little bit of an episode on it. And it kind of ties in with what I was going to do in, in terms of my recommendations if I were the Minister for Education, which is to have bus transport free. But I do acknowledge the fact that it's impossible to run a free transport system and not make it efficient and cost effective. Because at the moment, it is absolutely not cost effective with buses crisscrossing each other every morning as children go to schools that are not local to them. And the review, um, basically for parents and for schools, it says from the Department of Education is, this review is being conducted with a view to examining the current scheme, its broader effectiveness and sustainability, so they're using the sustainability, that's interesting, and to ensure that it serves students and their families adequately. The review will also examine the potential for integration of different strands of the scheme and a more coordinated approach with other government departments that also use transport services. It will also consider issues such as climate action, interesting, rural development, interesting, and promoting where possible initiatives that encourage walking and cycling to school. So in other words, you don't have to use a bus, you could walk or cycle instead. 
So that's interesting too, because the only reason, uh, the only time you can qualify for a bus is if you live 3.2 kilometers away from a school. And very few people will walk that distance these days there and back, um, which is fair enough because that's a good half an hour, 35 minute walk. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, that doesn't sound like much, but if you're rushing in the morning to add an extra 35, 40 minutes to your, actually, I haven't been completely unfair. Children walk much more slowly than adults. It's probably about 45 minutes uh, to walk to school. And I think um, if you're a normal household, uh, at 45 minutes to walk to school is and then for 45 minutes to walk back uh, seems like a long time to take out of your day. So what do they mean by that? There's only one thing that can be guaranteed when it comes to primary education. And that is that every aspect of it is made complex. And it's made complex because of school patronage and the concept of school choice. And furthermore, in terms of special education, there has been an absolutely mad haphazard approach to planning for special classes for children with additional needs, which means there are certain areas of the country that don't serve children with additional needs at all, and there's other parts of the country where there's an abundance of places uh, in schools for children with additional needs, which makes absolutely no sense. Now, bus transport right now has to fit into this really convoluted system, meaning that there's far too many buses on the roads every morning serving an unnecessary complex system, and it's created along arbitrary and unplanned lines. Now, the solution to bus transport is pretty much the same solution that's needed for almost all the problems of the education system. Now, I, in my podcast, as some of you may know, and I haven't mentioned this for a while, is I've always compared the primary education system, like the Christmas decorations that you find in your attic every year. And you probably have, um, at the, uh, after Christmas, if you celebrate Christmas, you probably wrap your uh, lights um, nicely so that the following year you can unwrap them nicely and they go up on the tree nicely. But it never works out that way. They just get twisted and turned. And, and then you try and untangle them and it gets worse and you create new knots and things like that and that's really what the primary education system is like when you try to solve one problem so such as bus transport when you do that you're only going to get the thing the, the situation knottier and um, we've seen that in lots and lots of, um, of, of of things that have changed in recent times in primary education the admissions bill being one they've actually made it even worse than it was um, even though the intentions of it may have been good so you know really um, you know, we have to have a look at and examine the foundational structures of primary schools in Ireland. If we're going to solve this small problem of bus transport, we have to actually look at why we have that problem in the first place, and that lies in the foundational structures of primary schools in Ireland. It is utterly bizarre in a modern, secular republic that primary schools are still divided along religious lines. I say this every episode. I mean, there isn't an episode. you didn't. I'm sure when you looked at make Bus, make bus transport free you didn't think I could get religion into it somehow but I can and I can do it very easily as I'm going to show you now it's over a decade since the form of patronage and pluralism and there has been no significant progress on making schools more equitable places for anyone now, I mean just I mean that's just an aside really but I think the idea of the form of patronage and pluralism in a way possibly would have complicated the bus transport scheme a bit more but it may not have either you know but the thing is what we have is this this strange uh, kind of concept 
where you have a choice, a alleged choice to go to um, various different flavors of schools. But if we were to remove patronage from the country, just remove it from schools, and which we certainly should do, I mean, there's no reason why we need it anymore. There's absolutely no reason anymore. We don't live in a country which is divided between Protestants and Catholics and they're fighting with each other and we have to keep them separate. We have a very multicultural society. They need to learn from each other and need to learn together and need to work together and learn from each other. And basically, children would just simply attend their nearest primary school. I know, and I would absolutely hand on my heart say that if there was no such thing as patronage, my child would have gone to his local primary school. Absolutely 100%. And this alone would remove the need for hundreds, hundreds of buses on our roads. It's as simple as that. Remove patronage, you get remove hundreds of buses and you save a fortune. Now, <laughs> you know, you might be going, oh my gosh, is that it then? And, and yeah, that's it. Like, that's the answer. You want to save money? Remove patronage. Simple. And like it would untangle so much. Do you know that knot, that really tight knot in those in those um, in those Christmas decorations, the one that really releases everything else? That's the knot. It's patronage. But let's let's move on to because it's not just patronage. I'm not going to say it's everything is patronage, uh, because there are obviously little complexities within that. Because it, while it might be the big knot, there's also little little knots in, ter in terms of that. Remember, there's whale skull in it as well. But and and you know what do we do there? I've, I've talked about that in a previous episode. I might touch on it a little bit later. But let's go move on to, this, to children with additional needs. And it, it, it's an, frankly, for me anyway, frankly, extraordinary and, and one could argue overtly discriminatory situation, right? This, I believe this is discriminatory. Like, I, I don't think anyone, I think, I think most people don't know about this because it, it probably doesn't affect them, you know, because special schools, everyone in a special, in a special school has additional needs. And um, this really only affects, I don't know, I don't, I, it kind of only affects schools where maybe there's special, maybe it is, maybe it is all schools, but I don't know. It's just an extremely weird and extraordinary is the right word that if a child requires a bus escort, okay, so a child with additional needs in a mainstream school requires a bus escort, that child is not allowed use the regular school bus and has to be transported on a special bus, as they their words, or in a taxi. I, I pause there because it, it just, it baffles me that a child with additional needs who requires assistance on a bus cannot go on the same bus as his classmates. But once they arrive at the school, the child is expected and often is expected to be in the same classroom as uh, in this classroom without an additional support or escort or SNA as they're rightly called. There is, it, it's just, it makes absolutely no sense. You know, there's hundreds of situations where families in the morning say goodbye to their children going to the same school and one goes on one bus and the other one goes on another bus. This happens. There is no reason why all school buses should not have a school uh, should not have a bus escort in the first place. I, I just understand why there's some buses now, like the most buses, just have a bus driver with like a load of kids at the back, unsupervised, you know, except by the driver who needs to concentrate in the road. I, I just 
are we waiting for an accident to happen? But there's no reason why all school buses shouldn't have a bus escort. And all children, where possible, could sit on the same bus as their peers, whether they have additional needs or not. And if they need a bus escort, there's usually a bus escort, there, would be, there should be a bus escort there. And their job would be not only to look after the child with additional needs, but the other children on the bus as well. And maybe if there's two or three children with additional needs, they may need two bus escorts. But, you know, these are, these are just things. They should be on the same bus. And on a minor note, just while I'm on this, bus escorts should be the responsibility of bus errand rather than school boards of management. For some reason, bus drivers are directly hired and the responsibility of bus errand, but the bus escorts are the responsibility uh, of uh, school boards of management. It, it just makes no sense. I've done a full episode on, on why that should change. It's episode 37, just in case you want to hear about that. It's a very short episode. However, there also needs to be a proper plan put in place for special classes so the bus networks can be simplified. There is no reason why children need to leave their county to attend school. And I was fascinated to see uh, one report um, that was uh, tweeted by a group uh, called Involve Autism. And they showed that €72,708 a day, uh, sorry, I just laugh because it's such an exact figure, €72,708 a day is spent transporting children in South Dublin by bus to outside of South Dublin. So over a school year, that's an expense of at least €13.3 And if you include July provision, that's £14.75 That's the cost of just transporting children with additional needs in South Dublin because there aren't places in South Dublin for these children. Now, a proper review of how we allocate special classes also has to take place urgently because if we're going to be doing, you know, the, the, to be honest with you, the, the school choice thing is easy enough. Remove patronage. Done. Finished. Okay? Let's look at how we allocate special classes, though. And it has to take place urgently. At the minute, it's this mad, it's just this mad system where a Sino who has nothing to do anymore, really, because their jobs have been just taken away from them, they're now just basically writing begging letters to schools. And schools are basically writing back going, oh, no, we don't have any room, um, kind of things. And, you know, it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. And in the end, there's a fight and an argument and a school kind of in the end has to, if they if are, are basically forced to open a special class that they don't want to open. And, and it doesn't work. It just doesn't work because there's no supports. There's nothing. Anyway, it's, it, it, I, I digress a little bit, but it's, this is why. The original purpose of special classes is no longer happening in schools. Okay. I think, you know, the idea of special classes in mainstream schools originally was that it was a small, it was a base. Kind of like, I worked in a, in a Desh Band 1 school back in the, the early part of this, uh, about 2001. And they had, I, I, I was, uh, I know I wasn't qualified at the time, but I didn't really know what it was. But it was an, a breakout room for children with, you know, learning difficulties and, 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 and so on. And they used to be in my room for some of the day, and then for some of the day they were in their own classroom. So they were doing so, like I was sort of like a breakout room when they needed it, and they were well able to integrate into their um, into their into their mainstream classroom. But every single year group had this sort of special class or this you know this sort of outbreak class. Now this this was in Dash One schools, and it was a great it was a great system. Now the idea 
of special classes for autism was, was the same thing. You know, it was, a, it was a room which could be a base. It wasn't a place where the children would be taught all day. It was a place for children with, you know, on the milder end of the, of the spectrum who could use it when they needed to. So if, they were, if the mainstream classroom was too much, at some point they could come back and do what they needed to do. And that was why teachers never really got, you know, the, the training, uh, massive training in autism or anything like that because the children that were supposed to be in these classes were supposed to be mild, uh, mild enough that they could happily work in a mainstream class most of the time and, uh, and then be withdrawn whenever that was, was needed for whatever was needed. Maybe that was sensory time or whatever it might be. But the thing about it is, that's not what's happening in the majority of special classes anymore. And, you know, sometimes a special class is not the most appropriate placement for a child. And over the years, things keep... This movement towards choice... Um, is, is is problematic. It's problematic, and I'm, I'm I'm not being insensitive when I'm saying this because, you know, it, it we, schools are good at things. You know, they're they're good at doing whatever they're able to do, and we actually punch way above what we're able to do as schools. What we do is uh, in a in a primary school, in a mainstream primary school, in mainstream classes, you have you do what you can. Um, in terms of um, helping all the children in your class, whatever their needs be. But sometimes, sometimes there's a, there, in mainstream primary classes, there are time, there, there are children that are unable to cope with the demands of a, of, of a mainstream primary class and they require a different placement. Now, if, that play, if sometimes a special class within a mainstream class is a good option because it gives, you, it gives the child the ability to withdraw when needs to when they need to but mainly be in their mainstream class and it works very very nicely you know that the that that their that the child goes into a mainstream class and they're maybe get two two or three hours there come back for a half uh, for 20 minutes to do something else maybe to catch up on something maybe to do some sensory stuff and so on and then go back and so on but it's a fluid interaction but then there are some children that don't have the ability to be able to integrate um, for any length of time and sometimes there's a better placement again where they have extra needs, which may be physical care needs, such as you know a sensory thing where they need uh, where where these children might need um, therapies, you know, such as you know a, a whirlpool kind of thing. Uh, I think that's what they're called, a kind of a whirlpool water therapy. They might need weight ther- like a weighted therapy, like where they're going to a squeezer, uh, for example, occupational therapy, speech and language therapy. And schools, as good as we are, we don't have those services in mainstream settings. And a lot of special schools I know don't have them, but should have them. But I mean, what I'm looking at here is what we need to do is we need to be reviewing how special class placements are done, because because often. It's not often what's happening is children are not going to their most appropriate setting. And that's not obviously up to schools to decide. And I, in some ways, I would argue, sometimes it's not just about, um, I suppose what I'm trying to say is there needs to be a balance between parents' wishes and children's needs, because sometimes these are not the same. Decisions have to be made by professionals in consultation with parents, obviously, to ensure that every child gets the correct placement for their own, for their needs. This is all about children, not about their parents, because sometimes, and if, look, I mean, if we're absolutely honest, sometimes it is about that. It's not about the children. And that it, what has to happen is decisions have to be made with the child at the heart of those decisions. 
and there's clearly a lack of places in special classes within mainstream schools. But any full review needs to ensure that not only are there enough places to meet the demands of families, but there also needs to be a review of how these places are allocated and whether there is a need for more special schools or for more supports within mainstream settings. So it works both ways. There could be children in special classes that don't need to be in special classes. They would be quite happy to be in a mainstream setting with a little bit of assistance. And obviously, this is a huge piece of work. But special education in Ireland has been allowed to develop completely aimlessly over the last few decades. And every change to the system has, to be, has been made in an effort to reduce costs rather than to give children the service they need. So I would argue, and I, I don't think it's, a, it's, a, it's an unfair thing to say, that when decisions have been made about special education, and you listen to the Minister for Education, whoever it might be at that time, they never talk about children when they're talking about special education. They talk about the money they spend. We spend €2 billion Euro a year. 25% of the budget is on special education. That's not child-centred, that's money-centred. And any decisions that are made around special education at the moment are in an effort to reduce that cost. And this bus transport system here, the aim of this isn't to make things better for children, it's to reduce the costs. And now they're adding in the environment, they're adding in sustainability and things like that. But again, all of these, the bottom line here is this is not about children, it's not about the environment, this is about saving money and thinking of ways they might do that. One of the questions is, how far away do you think a child needs to be before they qualify for the bus? Now, I can guarantee you the 3.2 kilometres that's been in place um, for the last number of years, the, the idea behind that is to widen that out so fewer children qualify for a bus. Not, uh, not because it's a good idea, but it, to save the money. And that's what I'm, uh, I suppose is problem when it comes to this uh, special uh, you know the bus transport submission but also anything to do with special education there's always the idea is how do we save money not how do we benefit children and in both cases when it, uh, that I've been arguing here patronage uh, needs to be scrapped because that was a very simple one really wasn't it scrap patronage but special education a little bit more complex as you've heard there Ireland, in both cases anyway, between whether it's patronage or special education, Ireland has basically allowed historical decisions to make simple things like bus transport become hugely complex issues. And they have a direct impact on a number of areas, um, mainly finance, because that's what they care about. But in fairness, and I know I've just disregarded it, but it does have an effect, obviously, on the environment. If you've got hundreds of extra buses that you don't need, that's a direct um, affront on the environment. And obviously there's ethical issues as well. Why are children being segregated by religion? Why are children in special school, uh, why are children having to tr travel outside of their communities to go to a classroom uh, which deals for their needs? I haven't even touched on climate action, rural development, and encouraging walking and cycling to school, which is part of the brief of the Department of Education. Now, I did a whole episode of this podcast talking about rural development, and I gave some ideas of how, to, how a good bus network could be established, not just for schools, but for rural communities. It's episode 21 if you're interested. Climate action, it speaks for itself. The fewer buses there are, the better for the environment. And even if we switch to electric buses, because some people say, ah, well, why don't we, you know, let's do electric buses now. You know, that doesn't solve the problem for the long-term environmental protection because charging thousands of bus batteries 
isn't that great for the environment either. What, where, how do we charge them? With electricity. Where does the electricity come from? Anyway, you get the picture. Encouraging walking and cycling, the final bit? Well, again, that falls into making sure people go to their local schools and then building the infrastructure in order to do that. Now, I will say, um, so, I mean, we know about going to local schools means get rid of patronage. It's simple. But building the infrastructure to do that, and in fairness to local authorities, there are more and more cycle lanes being built across the country. I'm a, I am a user of these uh, cycle lanes that have been built over the last number of years and in fairness they are coming um, and I know they take a long time to do but they are definitely coming certainly from what I can see. And last week I talked about, well not last week sorry, a couple of episodes ago, was, that, um, was it episode 69 or 70 anyway, I'm on number 72 here, it was number 69, so a few weeks ago I talked about making schools centre points of broadband hubs because we were talking about school broadband and why, why I felt that in rural areas particularly the school should be the place where the broadband hub starts. So how about expanding this into, into, in, into when we talk about transport? How about we talk about uh, transport hubs being schools, the hubs are actually schools in areas. Um, so that when, when you're creating um, your map of buses, the place where there's a bus stop will be at the village school. And if it, the school is generally in the middle of the village. If it isn't in the middle of the village, maybe it should become a stop along a network of, bus, uh, of a bus transport scheme. Anyway, that's a, a possible idea. However, none of these measures have any chance of working while we have these larger structural issues and why we need to deal with them once and for all. Namely, again, patronage and special schools. So in conclusion, the answer to bus transport issues can't be taken in isolation. We, we can't just say, let's fix bus transport without talking about the bigger picture. There's much bigger systematic factors at play that need to be reviewed and changed in order to make the transport scheme equitable and efficient. Now, if we keep doing what we're doing, costs are just simply going to continue to spiral or decisions will be made that will likely discriminate against people further. And while I've no doubt that the main focus of this consultation will be simply to reduce costs at the expense of critiquing the structures that complicate things, it's likely, I think, that we'll be back in a few years wondering why costs continue to rise. Now, moving on, is if we fix this, let's say a magic wand happened and patronage went away and we fixed the special education provision thing to a more structured thing, effectively the last piece of the puzzle is that it needs to be free for all users that need to use it. I would hope that much, much fewer children would need to go on a school bus to go to school. But if they did need to use it, I feel it wouldn't be that costly really to make it free. In fact, of the costs that would be recouped by losing so many buses could easily be uh, the, for making the service free for, uh, for children. I don't think I need to go on very much about that because it's a simple wave of a, I don't know, magic pen kind of sort of doing that. But unfortunately, it's not going to happen in the structures that we have. So we, number one, examine the structures, then review the bus transport scheme, and then finally make it free. That's kind of it, really. I don't think I've much more to say. I've managed to get half an hour out of it. I thought I'd be only talking to you for about 10 minutes. But um, I, I, but if I were the Minister for Education, I suppose that's all I have to say. I would make bus transport free. 
So there we have it, the end of bus transport, and uh, I hope uh, that was useful to you, a little different angle of looking for it. This is going to be, I am going to make a submission and use patronage and all that sort of stuff as my argument for uh, the, uh, my submission. Uh, obviously, as I know with all consultations, it'll be completely ignored because they've already decided what they're going to do. And my guess, by the way, just for want of a better word, uh, my guess basically is they're going to basically replace the 3.2 kilometer range for when you can get a school bus. And effectively, they're just going to increase that out to five kilometers or six kilometers or something like that and uh, yeah like I think that's basically what they're going to do to qualify for bus transport you have to live further away than currently um, I think that's all that's going to happen anyway if you've enjoyed this podcast please feel free to subscribe it on any of the podcasting platforms whether that's Apple Podcasts Spotify or Google Podcasts or any of the platforms that you like to listen to your podcast to and feel free to leave a review uh, apart from that there's nothing more to say but uh, drive on and we will see you next week and my dog's about to bark so I better say goodbye goodbye